Welcome to the Project 38 podcast, where we explore the state of the market and the future of government contracting. I'm Nick Wakeman, editor of Washington Technology. Our topic today touches on something that is personal for me, as well as highlighting what can be a very successful business strategy. Anyone who's read my blog for a while knows I grew up in Luray, Virginia, a small town in the Shenandoah Valley. I love my hometown. I'm very glad I grew up there and that I still have a strong connection there. My mom still lives on the farm my grandfather bought in 1926. But I know that there are challenges there. A lack of opportunities, a lack of access to education and technology. So when Brendan Walsh of the 901 Group submitted a commentary on the untapped potential for being a successful technology business in rural America, it spoke to me. And WT had to publish it. And I had to get on the phone with him to talk more about it. We started our conversation exploring the fourth industrial revolution that is going on right now. And that has laid the foundation for what he sees as the great opportunity in rural America. And that's where we pick up the conversation. So you talk about this fourth industrial revolution. So could you describe that a little bit for me? Sure. So... So, and, and by the way, the, I, I do want to give you a plug to your May 18th article, the What If COVID-19 Teaches Us Nothing, uh, I, I thought was great. So a lot of, you know, sort of complementary themes, you know, in, in both pieces. But so, yeah, so the, the fourth industrial revolution or, you know, 4IR, the, the real, I think the important part is, is that there's a confluence of IoT or the Internet of Things. Which right. to me, if you boil it down, you know nobody knows what that means, but it's connectedness. So what is connected? And then you you add in cloud, and again it's a nebulous term, you know, concept. But if you simplify it, cloud equals remote. You know, it's decentralized. It's remote. So with this confluence, this connect, this connectedness and r- remoteness, well, that just changes everything. It changes. It really changes the three sort of what I I look at the big three where we learn, you know, where we work and where we socialize and how we do it, when we do it, who does it, what are the interfaces, the cadence. So I just think that fourth IR where everything's connected and everything is now moving to remote and especially in light of COVID-19 and, you know, in crises. Um, I, I don't think it's changing. I don't think that where we learn, where we work, where we socialize in the in the the ether uh, online, I I just don't believe it's going to ever go back to to normal or you know old normal, maybe more right. new normal. So that that was part of the concept of the idea about four IR. Okay. And so then you followed that up. I thought with a really fascinating question because I I completely agree with you. It's it's changed. It's coming. There's no turning back. But for rural areas, you ask the question, you know, is it a, a punisher or an equalizer? And so <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about that. I mean, which which is it? Well, so it should be and it can be. And I'm an op- optimist. It will be an equalizer. Um, what I am concerned about, if, if we don't work together, and I mean, as a society, you know, uh, public officials, educators, employers, individuals, 
um, then it could be a punisher, and it, it, it really shouldn't be. That would be a, a wasted opportunity. Um, there, there are there are real limitations or concerns like broadband in, in rural communities, you know, access to high-speed internet. Um, there was a, a, a stat out there that 80% of the families that cannot or do not have access to broadband are rural families. So I, I don't think anyone questions, you know, is there a connective uh, access broadband issue in rural America? I, I think that's factual. Um, but in the, the op-ed in the piece, I, I was trying to articulate that's real. But there are also misconceptions. And the misconceptions are really, you know, both. We should be able to fix the real and we should be able to address or eliminate the misconceptions. And that's, that's what I was trying to get across. Yeah, I thought those misconceptions, I think you called them uh, oh, uh, four theories. You had four theories about, you know, yep. rural areas. And to me, they're almost, more, that? almost myths in a way. Yeah, if you could talk about those, because I think that uh, that's a really interesting way and a good way to, to think about the, the problem. Yeah, I was in a meeting and someone said, oh, you're myth-busting, you know, when I brought this yeah. up. And I'm not not trying to myth-bust, but... But so, and, and I've had the really the, the the privilege to work at 1901 for a little over 10 years. So I, I got to see it, you know, when it was 10 people, and now over you know 400. Most are in our rural enterprise IT operations center in Blacksburg, Virginia, and Abington, Virginia. But so the myth that that I've experienced, this is me personally, not not some academic research paper, but. There's, there's a fear that people in rural locations are too far behind, you know, the technology curve. And, and I don't right. believe that. You know, the, the speed of change, that fourth IR, the, the, we were just talking about the, the quickness, the speed of the news cycle. Well, learning is now all the time. Our people, we constantly, you know, on-the-job training, uh, online training, professional certifications. I don't believe anybody is too far behind anymore. So that's sort of myth number one. Um, two, there there has been a well, you know, folks in rural communities don't have technical aptitude. You know, I, I, that's horse hockey. Um, you know, being able to run equipment and, and gear and farms and and the, the 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 technology needed to to you know grow crops and so it's not a technical aptitude issue. It, it's really a training and education issue, and that that's a good sort of segue into number three and four of the myth. Three is uh, technology education is too costly, and then four is that technology training is not accessible. And both those, you know, ten years ago those would be more true. Now, the amount of education and, and training that is online, and the caveat going back to that real issue of you know, being connected and access, but companies are pumping out online training for free. If you can get online accreditations, certifications, whether it's AI or, you know, ML machine learning or, or, or whether it's cloud engineering, you know, there, there's so much out there now. Um, we've built a curriculum to train and edu educate our, our people, whether they're junior, mid or senior, there's just so much content out there now for free. It's it's wonderful. So those are the four myths that I think that anyone looking at locating 
in a rural location and building an IT uh, office or a hub or an ops center, we call them IT factories, I just I think it's great opportunity, and it's great opportunity for the country. Yeah, now, I know that you all have had, you know, 1901 has had great success down there. Other companies, I think CGI has a big presence down in southwest Virginia, and other companies are doing things in other parts of the country's country. Yeah. What did you all do, or what, what's kind of the secret to kind of overcoming that supposed, you know, <laughs> rural deficit or lag or however you want to describe it? Yeah, and a great question, by the way. Um, and some may fear giving up the secret sauce. I think we're proud of it. I think we promote it. There, there's opportunity for for a lot more employers to to use this formula. Um, so our our formula, our, our business plan, always has been rural location, rural job creation focused. But but it's not just about hiring people or you know creating a program or a subsidy to create a job in, in a rural location, you need a, a sustainable platform. And, and our platform that we started investing in, you know, over 10 years ago, really has five parts. And, and the first part of the people, you know, people are the most important. So the training and, you know, attracting, retaining, growing them, that's always a, a core pillar in 1901 story. Um, but then processes like ITIL, uh, technologies, you know, relationships, re, excuse me, relationships with AWS, uh, ServiceNow, NetApp, facilities where those people work, whether it's pre-COVID or you know during COVID or post-COVID, having facilities that allow the people to to work together and cross-train is important. And then the fifth pillar, fifth element in our world you know, government contracting is that that compliance, the, the regulation, uh, Fed ramp, those types of things. So you mix the people, the process, the technology, the facility and compliance. That's the formula, I believe, for sustainable rural job creation. And if I could do one more sort of message on that, that I believe that is so important today you know, with COVID and future crises, they're going to come. Um, workforce resiliency, government continuity of operations, and I, I believe even national security, if we don't as a society push more work out of urban and into rural, I think it's going to hurt our resiliency, our, our COOP, and our, our national security. That, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Now you mentioned sustain using that word sustainable. How what what does that mean as far with this strategy? So everything, and I'll, I'll give our our CEO Sonu Singh a, a plug. Every when he when he approached me with the 1901 Group story, you know, 11 years ago, his entire vision was when I, when I say sustainable, is how do you start? How do you you know? walk, how do you crawl, then walk, then run, and how do you scale? So the sustainability is, is again, not just keeping if you created one job or 10, but how do you create one job and then 10, and then 100, and then 1,000? So the 1901 group vision or story or plan has always been, we're going to create these IT factories 
And the first one that we created was in Blacksburg, Virginia. But then where do we look next? Do we look at Raleigh, North Carolina? Do you look out, you know, do you look in Idaho? Do you look in Colorado? Do you look in Michigan? So that sustainable idea is scale. So sustainability, scalability, how do you continue to grow it? And uh, that that's that's really what we've been on our that's been our journey for the last 10 years. It's been a fun journey. Yeah. Wow. So let, let's say somebody you know reads the column, listens to this podcast, and they're like, you know, we want to do this. You know, we, we want to, you know, tap into that, that rural resource. What, uh, what advice, you know, would you, would you give them? Is there things they should watch out for, things they should definitely embrace? Uh, what should they do? Yeah, but, uh, again, a great question. So there, I, I kind of see there, there are different profiles of people who could ask that question. Um, obviously, there are individuals who might want to change a career or enter the IT career path. Um, so individuals are, are one profile. Uh, employers are a huge, important profile. Uh, other companies that want to uh, either uh, attract or um, identify talent, you know, IT talent from non-urban locations. And we have to get more employers involved in more ways. Um, educators uh, throughout the, the, you know, even high school to, to college levels, uh, letting their students know about free education, online education, internships. Uh, there, there's a call to action for educators. And, and of course, our you know, public officials, our policy folks. Um, how do we align, you know, federal acquisition and government acquisition regs and incentives to to uh, create more rural work, more telework, more remote work, more permanent remote work? So there are a lot of policies that can align better. Um, and, and I do believe the call to action, there are several different by who you are, the role you play. Um, VA Ready is a uh, VAready.org is an organization out really trying to help uh, Virginia citizens that have been displaced out of you know jobs because of of COVID. Um, Virginia values veterans. V3, you know, trying to get veterans who are leaving the the service into uh, you know technology, manufacturing, IT, healthcare jobs. Uh, so there are a lot of programs out there. We just need to align them better um, so that. You know, we we could probably talk for hours about the call to actions, but uh, you know, again, to your to your article, what if you know COVID teaches us nothing? I really hope if if we if if the call to action is heard, if if folks can do something about it, all of us, um, I, I think then we'll we'll be stronger and better, you know, post COVID. And that's my conversation with Brendan Walsh of the 901 Group. Like I said, his topic is one that really spoke to me, and I hope it speaks to you as well. This has been the Project 38 podcast, and I'm Nick Wakeman, editor of Washington Technology. You can find the archive of our past podcasts on our website, WashingtonTechnology.com, and on iTunes and Google Play. Thanks for listening, and stay safe out there.